Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On this show, we're trying to educate you about the American college system. We're going to be having college coaches and student athletes joining us, talking about the experiences in America, and hopefully by the end of the show, you would have taken away some amazing information. Enjoy. No Look, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, what I'm trying to do, um, Coach, is educate a lot of golfers about the college system and about your program and what you're after. And I believe that there's not enough golfers um, that are in their freshman and sophomores in high school that are thinking about golf in the US. And they, they start thinking mm-hmm. about it quite late. And mm-hmm. by the time they go to that, within, that senior year, and they decide, I want to go to the States on a golf scholarship. If they might have wanted to do a few things differently a few years earlier, um, that would have positively yeah. impacted their resume. And so it's great having you here. Uh, for those that are going to be watching this um, and tuning in, I've known Coach Mofler now for a while. She came to New Zealand um, and it was great having her here in our backyard. We really enjoyed having you here. And um, what, a, what an amazing career coach has had. She is the head women's golf coach at University of Washington. Um, runs an amazing, amazing program. 38 season in the Huskies. I'm just going to go and ramble on a little bit, coach, before I get yeah. you to talk, okay? Because it's quite a long list of things that you have accomplished. Um, not only is she uh, an NCAA championship golf coach, she's been named in the NCAA golf committee for the second time. Uh, golf week coach of the year. WGCA National Coach of the Year. She's had 14 national appearances. Pac-10 Coach of the Year. The list goes on. It goes on. But you know what? It's it's absolutely incredible. You're one of the best coaches I've worked with in my life, and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. You're being you're being too kind. It's uh, it was so great to uh, to have you reach back out after our fun times we had there a couple of years ago. I mean, that was an amazing time and uh, made yep. some lifelong friendships. Yeah. So. Coach, I guess to get started, um, how did you get into golf? My dad was a sports writer. And so when I was like eight or nine years old, um, you know, when he was home, he would want to go to the golf course and he would say, does anybody want to go with me? And I said, yes, one time yeah. and that kind of started. it. So, but I was probably, you know, eight or nine and just kind of fell in love with it. I grew up in a big family. And so I kind of liked it because it was just me. <laughs> I didn't have to listen to anybody else talking about anything else or yelling or screaming or any of that. So I like the solitude of it. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, never did I imagine it'd be basically my, my whole life really. Awesome. And as a junior, you dominated. I read your resume. It's absolutely uh, impressive. It was impressive. Uh, You're a great player. Um, and then you decided, you know what, I want to become a coach. How did you make that transition from player to coach? It was really, um, you know, when the position first came open, it, it this was in the, you know, mid early eighties and, and it didn't pay. It paid like $3,000 a year or something. Wow. It wasn't what it is now, Yeah. but I had had such a great experience. My gut reaction when it first came open was like, I'm not doing that. You know what it pays, you know, yeah. but then I had such a great relationship with my coach and she just passed away about a year and a half ago. And we were friends yeah. until the day she passed. And so I kind of thought, well, I wonder, you know, maybe I could just create a little stability because she coached for, she started the program coach for seven years and then she retired from coaching and then they had a coach for a year. She quit, had a coach for another year. They quit. So I kind of thought, well, maybe I could 
try it and see, you know, if I could stick around a little longer to kind of provide some stability. And lo and behold, I was fortunate enough to get the job and I just fell in love with it. Just absolutely fell in love with it. And, um, you know, after I decided I didn't want to play, it was just like, this is what I want to do. How rewarding, I guess your job is quite rewarding because you're not just coach, you're also mother to these athletes on your team. You know, you're the mentor, you help them move on to their next phase of their life. You know, you had a, a great New Zealander, Julia Navarez, on, as part of your team, and she loved the experience here with you. How rewarding is it as a coach? It's why you coach, you know, honestly, it, it just to have relationships with, with people like Julianne and, and Wen Young Kay, also a New Zealander. And, you know, they came kind of on faith, you know, and I didn't really know them all that. I mean, you do your homework and all that, but right. as we know, in recruiting, everyone kind of puts their best foot forward. Yeah. So they kind of came on a leap of faith and I mean, gosh, you couldn't have written a better story. And, I keep in touch with both of those guys and, and it's so fun to see what they're doing now, trying to play and make their way professionally. And uh, Julianne is back in the States. And I think uh, Wen Young is coming back shortly to go through Q school. So it's neat to see them on the next part of their journey and, and uh, be able to reminisce and talk about funny times and, and all that. So it's good. That's amazing. Obviously, like a few years ago, there was a lot of athletes that were thinking, oh, I'm not too keen on college, want to try and go professional and start young. As we've seen in the last, you know, few years, that's just so hard to do. And, you know, across all sports, whether it's soccer, tennis or golf, the amount of athletes that are hitting that college system and developing is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, have you seen that transition quite often now with athletes coming into your program and then hitting the LG PGA tour? We have not had too much of that. We had a couple kids. Uh, well, the year before we won the national championship, we had two kids leave. One was ranked number one in the country at the time and the other one wasn't far behind her. So that was pretty painful, but I think, uh, especially the young one that left. I think if you could get her in a room by herself and ask her, she probably wished she'd have stayed, you know, cause the tour is always going to be there, you know, but college you get to do once in your life, you know, and yeah, the friendships exactly. you make and the knowledge you can gain from playing. And, you know, what I tell them if they're thinking about it, even is look, you can, you can come and play on a college team. And we'll take you to 10 or 12 tournaments a year and we'll pay all your expenses, everything, equipment, meals, lodging, transportation, all of it. Or you can turn pro and probably spend 60 or 70 or 80,000 US dollars a year trying to scratch out a living and nobody's going to give you anything. You know, when, when you need stuff the most, nobody will give it to you. It's when you've made it, you know, that that's when they'll give you stuff. Right. Yep. So yep. it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset and that it's just college. You only get one shot and the tour tour will always be there. A four year window to develop every day, yeah. get an education and at the cost of hardly anything. It sounds, it sounds yeah. like an amazing opportunity <laughs> and yeah, that's why I'm going into high schools and I'm talking now to students that are not 16, 17, that are students that are like, you know, 13 and 14. I'm telling them, you know, be eligible because you want these opportunities. It's absolutely incredible. Talking about your system that you have at your environment, what do girls get access to apart from 
obviously working with you and developing golf wise with you. What else do they get access to facility wise, et cetera? Right. Well, we have about four or five different private clubs that we play in the area and they're the best of the best and they all provide different challenges. Um, and so we'll go play a different course, you know, two or three times a week, we'll be playing different golf courses. And then we have a facility we call the playground, which is what we want them to feel like they're playing there. They're not working, you know, we're enjoying the grind, so to speak. And you can hit anything from a little chip shot to a driver Love and, it. you know, you can do anything you want there. That's our, that's our place where we can hang out. And, you, you know, you have access to strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, academic advisors, mental health specialists, um, uh, tutoring, uh, everything you could possibly need to be successful. We're not going to do it for you, but you will have all the resources that you could possibly need to be successful. Um, but then at the end of the day, it's, you know, who wants it the most. And so we look for those kids that are that love the game, that just they just love to play. Um, and they aren't in love with how it looks or, you know, is my swing perfect today or not? I don't care. It doesn't matter. You're, you're golf. What's the object of the game? Get the ball in the hole. Doesn't, doesn't matter how. I loved when you came to New Zealand and you did that talk and the way that you just simplified everything was incredible. Like there's so many people that are so technical with different things. My little brother actually just called me moments ago. He's in, um, he's in Africa playing in a tennis professional tournament. And he'll call me and he'll say, you know, like, what about this technique on this thing? How, how should I hit my forehand return? I'm like, mate, just simplify it. Don't overthink it. Otherwise, that's where yeah. things start to go wrong. Is that something that you really try to implement with your girls? Most definitely, um, especially now because technology is so much more a part of the game than it was even five years ago. And so it's that's fine when you want to work on your swing on the driving range, you know, and I will ask players all the time, when are you going to be done working on your swing? You know, if, if it has to be perfect for you to go play, you're going to be there for a really long time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, you're a human being, you're not a machine. You're not going to swing it the same way every time. And so we really try to get them to focus on hitting shots rather than making swings. And there's a huge difference. Um, I've listened a lot to a guy named Randy Joyner and, and another guy named Carl Morris, and they talk about the, the shot creating the swing rather than the swing creating the shot. Because if, if you have a shot, no two shots are the same. And so why are you trying to hit them all with one perfect swing? Yeah. So just, you know, let your, let your body organize your thoughts around the shot you want to hit and then let your body do what it knows how to do. And so I absolutely, yeah, I mean, I absolutely harp on that. And there is a time to work on your game, but it's not when you're out playing. It's, it's, when they go out and play, I don't say swing well, play well. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't care. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't care how you swing. I really yeah. don't. You know, and that's like your brother, who cares about your technique? Put it where the guy can't hit it back at you. Exactly. Who compete. Cares? We want you to yeah, compete. compete. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, we've kind of got this philosophy now. Of, I don't want golfers. I want players. They can yes. play the game. And that's what golf is about. It's about playing a game and not making a swing, repeating a swing every time. 
technique with athletes you know sometimes athletes tend to overthink it now the athletes that you work with are very elite they're very very good they're top in the country and they have also got coaches back home do you also Mm -hmm. communicate with these coaches back home as well yeah we try to be an extra set of eyes and ears you know you're here because you're good we we don't need to reinvent the wheel you know and so if they have a swing coach that they're comfortable with sometimes we'll set up a, a zoom you know, they're going to have a lesson. So we'll just stand there and watch, you know, they'll be in our, in our indoor facility with a track man and the whole thing. And we'll just sit there and watch. And then when they're done and they're out on the range or out on the course working on it, we can say, Oh yeah, that's what he said he wanted you to do. Or, Oh, didn't she say you should move your right arm in a little, or, you know, whatever it might be. So we're not there to, to replace anybody. If anything, we want to enhance that and feel like that swing instructor, you're, they're sending their player somewhere where we're going to be an ally for you. And you, you have worked with this particular player for however long. And so now let us help you. Let us be an extra set of eyes and ears for you. And that's how we look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember I went to go visit Kevin Smith, who was um, a good coach here in New Zealand, as you know, Kevin. And Kevin um, helped develop Julian Avares before she went to college. And I went to go catch up with Kevin at the Umu Beach Golf Club here in New Zealand for a coffee. And when I got there, he was running a little bit late. And then he comes over and he said, sorry, I was on a Zoom. And I was, I was coaching someone. I was like, who are you coaching on Zoom? He goes, Julianne. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then he goes, yeah, I've been talking to Julianne's coach in the States and I hadn't met you yet. And um, I thought it was just awesome how there was really good synergy between all three parties. Yeah. yeah. And you have to have a player with enough confidence to, to know that that's okay. And that, and you have to have a coach and a swing coach on both ends that aren't going to let their ego get in the way. And Kevin's about the most ego lacking guy I've ever seen. <laughs> you know. And so for him, it, it was easy. Um, you know, and we didn't, we didn't really work with him a lot. I didn't get to really know him until after she'd left, but I always felt like I could reach out to him and say, Hey, you know, what about this or that? Or, you know, um, what are you working on with her? You know, what, whatever it might be that he was always open. He just wanted her to be successful and that it doesn't matter who gets the credit or any of that. He just wanted her to be successful. Kevin is a Mr. Biomechanics himself. He loves the technique. Um, yes. Uh, funny story. I was at the New Zealand Open at the final and um, I bought a little corporate table on the side of the tennis court and my brother happened to be in the final and I invited Kevin along and it was, it was me, Kevin, um, Dylan Wood, who was a former asset of ours that works with us now, um, and uh, my mum. And the whole match, my brothers kept on looking at our table and I said to my brother, why do you keep looking at our table? And he said, because uh, we call our dad Pops. He's like, because Pops and Kevin kept on talking the whole time. And both of them are crazy about biomechanics. And the whole time I could see Kevin doing this <laughs> during the match. My brother's kind of like, why are they analyzing? <laughs> yeah, and we're right behind like his bench where he's sitting with his bag and everything on the court. And I was like, uh-huh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Kevin's, Kevin's a legend, honestly. And my dad, those yeah. guys are amazing. But um, let's talk about the the players in your team now you've got quite an international roster what was your sort of philosophy about that why wouldn't you get players from the u.s yeah it kind of just happened organically there was no like real intentional effort on our part and 
the philosophy is always I'm going to go wherever I can find the best players that yep. fit here, that want to be here and are a good fit here. And Washington is a good academic school. So there are certain things. I mean, you have to care about your academics. Yes. And, you know, you alluded to earlier about doing well in school to these younger players. And, you know, I always tell them the better you do in school, the more options you're going to have. So you might as well do well in school, you know, because if you're a two point, you're going to have fewer options than if you're a 3.5 or above or whatever, you know, in the U.S. system. So for me, you, you look for people that can handle the academic load. And we Seattle takes a, gets a very bad rap about our weather. You know, it's just not ask Julianne. She'll tell you it's just not that bad. And so a lot of like Southern California kids or whatever, they, they just don't want to come to Seattle because they think they're going to drown in rain or something, you know? And so it, it just kind of happened. I started getting a lot of interest from kids in China um, and Taiwan. And uh, like I said, it just, it kind of happened. And then we had a girl, Charlotte Thomas, who was from England, but basically yep. grew up in Singapore. She was part of our national championship team. And they, they realized the value of the education. They, they were attracted to the academics. And then you put the level of play that they provide, and it's a no-brainer. So, and the one thing that I've found, and I'm painting with a very broad brush, and I'm not meaning to, to say anything negative about anybody, what I have found with the international students is they are much more grateful for the opportunity because most countries, you can't do what you can do in the U.S. You can't go to school and play your sport. You kind of have to choose one or the other a lot of places. And so it's really appealing. And I think they understand how fortunate they are to be able to do that. And in the U.S., it's just a foregone conclusion that you can do it. And so I think there's a, a little bit more appreciation or gratitude for the situation. Um, and it kind of shows in, in how they do things and how they go about their business. That is so well put. And also, like, New Zealanders are so grateful for the opportunity anywhere in the States because I guess, like, you know, we've got 5 million people here. We're a small country. And I think that's why a lot of Kiwis have done well in the college system across all sports um, is just about what how they take those opportunities with two hands there. And, you know, we don't really care about the weather. <laughs> we don't no, care right. about the weather here. Right. Well, and I think Julianne grew up in Wellington, which is supposedly the windiest city in the world. And so it's like you get one element or the other, you know. Yeah. But it was apparent from the first day that those two landed on campus that they they knew they had it good. You know, just just the the things that they get and the equipment and the uniforms and the shoes and the gloves and the rain gear and all those things. And they're like, we get to keep this. This is ours. You know, and and just they were so grateful for that. And it was just different. It was just different for them. And so there, that respect and that gratitude for what the situation can provide you, it just is not lost on them at all. I remember talking to Julianne and the first time I, I met her, I said to her, so you're at Washington. It's amazing. What do you get? And she's like, oh, where do I start? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like, Dude, go on, tell me. She was telling me about the clubs and everything and everything oh, was yeah. branded. Yep. Oh, yep. Incredible. Yeah. And, and we do feel like we take really good care of our athletes and, yep. you know, but to whom much is given, much is expected. 
And so there's that balance of, you know, we're not just giving you this so you can look pretty, you know, it's, it's part of your toolbox basically. And it's, it's your job to work with the tools that we give you and sharpen your skills, so to speak, and, and become the best that you can be, whatever that is. And whenever people say like about the weather is a problem, my response to them is it's not like you guys woke up one day and were like, oh gosh, it's snowing outside. You know this, you've built your systems around this. Like you have not, yeah. you haven't been as successful by not practicing, et cetera. Like yeah. you've, you've won an NCAA championship for heaven's sake. Um, I think it's a great yeah. system. Well, thank you. And that, the, the thing about Seattle is, and we'll tell, you know what, if you want 80 degrees and sunny every day, don't come here. But if you want to learn to play in all kinds of weather on all kinds of different golf courses, it's a great place to train to be a professional because that's what you do when you turn professional. Yeah. You got to learn how to play in all conditions and all kinds of grasses and, you know, all kinds of weather. Well, I've actually got a, a tennis player going to uh, University of Seattle uh, this August. And another oh, tennis, cool. yeah, and another guy from my hometown as well, New Plymouth. And um, I mean, as you said, Wellington in New Zealand, I think it's one of the toughest airports to land in in the world with that crosswind that comes in. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll yeah. Bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, my drive on the on the seventeenth hole with a tailwind is definitely great. You know. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I'm with yeah. you on that one. <laughs> always, always looks good, but uh, I just need yep. to keep it in the fairway, not three fairways over. Um, yeah, there you go. So in terms of like recruiting red flags, you are a high profile coach, you're a high profile college, um, you run a great system, you get a lot of people contacting you. What are the sort of red flags you're like, not too, not too keen? Uh, red flags, um, parents, <laughs> overly involved parents, um, you know, and, and I get that you have their best interests at heart, but it, it has to be your kid's passion. You know, if this is if you're having them do this because it's your passion or you're living vicariously through your kids, that's a huge red flag. And um, you, you can see it when parents are around. You can see kids looking over their shoulder or, you know, sometimes just the interaction that you see between them. It's it can be kind of tense, um, you know, things like that. If, if I'm if I'm talking to a player they're with their parents and we're doing it. What's called an unofficial visit. You're just kind of trying to get to know each other. And I ask you a question and the answer comes from over there. That's a huge red flag. You know, let them, let them talk to themselves. They're, they're going to be fine. They can't make a mistake. They're just talking, you know, um, how they are on the golf course. We, we tell them, you know, cause kids get nervous. Oh, like you've never watched me play. I'm going to be so, you know, and we're like, you know, honestly, we hope you play bad because we want to see how you handle it. You know, so what's going to happen when it gets windy or it gets rainy and, and things you can't just stand up there and freewheel it. You have to think your way through and it's not going to always be perfect. So how do you react when bad stuff happens? Um, that to me is a huge red flag. If a kid's stomping around and pouting and, you know, slamming their club into their bag, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good red flag that they're not really very mature. And so that for, for me, that's a hard one. I don't, I don't like to see that, that you have to show some maturity in what you're doing. Cause it's, you know, life's not perfect either. It's not always going to go the way you want. So um, I would say those just their body language, how they treat the people around them, you know, did they look you in the eye when, when they talk to you, you know, or are they 
looking around or are they on their phone or, you know, all the things that kind of that generation, a lot of times they don't think twice about. But for me, if I'm going to talk to you, I want your attention. I want your undivided attention at that for those however many minutes the interaction is. Yeah. And if, if you're distracted by something else, then we probably shouldn't be talking right now. You know, go go take care of whatever it is. Um, how they are with the people they play with, you know, are, are you do you, I'm a real stickler about like if your opponent, your fellow competitor, as they call it in golf, hits a ball and they can't find it. Do you stand there or do you go help them look? That's a you good, just stand that's a good there, one. If you just stand there, that doesn't sit well with me because in my head, I'm going, if the situation were reversed and it was your ball, wouldn't you want somebody to help you if they could, you know, instead of just standing there looking at you like, well, are you done yet? You know, I, I, so that's a, that's a huge one for me. Just, just their general common courtesy things, you know, do, do you thank the volunteers? Do you, you know, do you let somebody else go first? You know, whatever it might be, just, just the things that um, we, we, the number one pillar of our program is leave it better than you found it. And that means person, place, or thing, regardless, you know, it, that if you have an interaction with somebody, they're better off than before you came and talked to them, you know, or if we're on the range, the range is going to look nicer when we leave than when we got there, you know, just, just little things like that. And those, those are the things that I kind of look for with kids and it doesn't take much to figure it out. You know, um, they'll, they'll tip their hand. If, if you watch them enough, they'll definitely tip their hand, but just nothing, you know, it's nothing, you don't have to be like perfect, but you do have to be courteous and, and polite and uh, well-intentioned, I guess would be the, and I, I don't want to beat you because you can't find your golf ball. I want to beat you because I played better than you that day. And you, you, you threw your best at me and I was able to beat you. Not because you couldn't find your golf ball and I wasn't going to go over and help because I might lose if I do that and help you, you know, just, just stuff like that. If that makes sense. It does. And for athletes thinking, Oh, how's coach going to see me do all this? If they're, they're all the way in the U S Coaches know people. They do background checks on everyone. Like, you know, yeah. coaches got, is connected with me in New Zealand. I bet you're connected with a bunch of other people around the world as well. Yeah. And uh, there's always eyes on. Always. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you a funny story about Julianne. Um, you know, and I didn't know her. And I literally had to, like, go to the – all I found out was where she practiced. And so I sent the email to that club and said, could you pass along the information to her swing coach or, you know – then I hear from Craig and Craig tells me where she goes to school and then, or Kevin. So then I, I, I email the school and they talk to, they put me in touch with her counselor. So I have like a list of questions that I send to counselors or teachers or whatever. And it's about five questions, nothing long. And this counselor sends back a one sentence answer. The only thing that you need to know about Julianne is that we have a leadership group at school. And Julianne is the leader of the leadership group. And I'm like, that's all I needed to hear. Wow. That's all I needed. I want that kind of player on my team. She knows how to treat people. She knows how to interact. You know, I, I didn't have to worry of whether she was going to go help somebody look for their golf ball. You know, she, 
that's the kind of person. And you're right. That's you. You do your homework. You do your background checks. You just like they do on us. You have to do that, too, just to see, you know, if there's something you're missing or if, you know, things appear one way, but they're actually another when you go to find out. That's amazing. Not many kids believe me when I say that. Like when I tell them that coaches go and investigate athletes before they sign them, they're like, oh, whatever. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, this is our livelihood. Yeah. This is our livelihood. And and why would you take on a client that that it, you can't right. promote because yeah. they don't know how to act or behave? And you can't, your reputation's on the line as well. Exactly. And so we, we have to, this is how I make my living. This is how I feed my family. You're darn right. I'm going to, I'm going to do my due diligence and, and do those background checks and find out as much as I can. Do we always get it right? No. And that's when you just got to coach harder. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I had a coach from America contact me about a student athlete, this person, I won't name the sport, but this person was very, very good in their sport. Like one of the top in the country. And a coach from this division one school said to me, what do you think about this individual? I have heard some bad things about this person. I had to be very honest because if I mm -hmm. endorse this player, who wasn't even my athlete, by the way, if I had to endorse this player and the player goes there and misbehaves, that coach isn't going to trust me again. No, they're not. They're not, you know, and, and that's, yeah. and that's where people like you are so important. Because you're going to be the guy I'm going to reach out to and say, what do you know about this player? You know, and there have been players that uh, there was a, a player, an international player that we were recruiting really hard. And my assistant went and watched her at a tournament uh, in Europe somewhere and started talking to the person was, that was the manager of this team this girl was on and was not flattering at all. And my assistant came home and said, I, I, I think we should back out. She's just, she's not, it's not going to be worth it. And we backed out. We, we hadn't made her an offer or anything, but we just said, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. And I watched her for four years on another team. And every time I was glad that we didn't offer her, you know, and so you, you have to trust your instincts too, you know, just like you do with, with people. You know, if you have clients, you have to trust your instincts. Your gut will tell you, is this a good fit or is this not a good fit? And so that was one of those that was like, yeah, trust your gut. And my, my assistant was right. She was spot on. And, you know, you watch and her numbers were good sometimes, but you're like, it's just not worth it. You know, yeah. like I said, this is how you feed your family. This is how you make your living. It's It's got to be right. Absolutely. Well, coach. Thank you so, so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And for those watching this, go check out their Instagram page, their Facebook, their website. Go on YouTube. You know, Coach Mulfa, I know you've got a lot of content on YouTube. You've been interviewed a lot of times. <laughs> check it out. It is incredible. But honestly, really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you. Gosh, it's been great catching up. So let's, let's not have it be so long in between next time.